All right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, today's guest I am super excited about, Jennifer Dean is the founder and president of Dean's Professional Services. Uh, she focuses on healthcare staffing out of the Houston area. You're one of the first people I met in Houston, by the way, Jennifer, and I have, I've loved you ever since. Um, you have been a best and brightest company to work for, not only in Houston, but at a national level. And you've been a multiple year elite winner, which means that you scored at the very top. Uh, so it's wonderful to have you today and talk with you. Uh, I can attest that you're a fantastic speaker. You have several endeavors outside of your career at your company that we'll talk about as well. And you just told me today is 30 years for you. Today's the anniversary. That's fantastic. So, so let's talk about that. How does it feel to be at 30 year, years? What did you think you were starting 30 years ago? <laughs> well, you know, I think with business. That journey, walk us through the 30 years. I think if you focus on where you're going to be in 30 years, I was in my 20s, so we probably don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that my journey has been such that, um, uh, I've been really blessed. Uh, I've only focused in medical health care. Uh, we provide staffing, staff development, and consulting. So mainly we take a project and we look at it, we customize it, and we say, what can we do to save you time, energy, money, um, you know, to make it easier on you for your staffing needs across the board. So um, I would not have, I would not have thought I'd be in 20 states. I wouldn't think that I'd had 2,000 plus employees today. Um, and I would probably say that that years ago would not have been my thought. I mean, 30 years is a long time. We've changed in technology. We've changed in uh, young people. We've changed in a number of things. So, and certainly the entitlement of people working has changed. So it, it's yeah, a little well, different than it was. We're going to talk about that. We are going to talk about that. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed is uh, you have some resources and books and what have you, and the theme is being outspoken. So let's talk about those tools and resources, but is that also your theme too? I, I've known you for a while. I would say that that's really Jennifer Dean's theme, outspoken. So let's let's chat on that a little bit. Well, you know, most people who know me know that I'm a pretty outspoken person. I don't usually bite my tongue about very many things. So you shouldn't ask me if you don't want to know. My staff knows it. Our orientation is about three weeks. First couple of days is philosophy and uh, president's expectations. So I certainly go through and explain to everyone my personality is such that I'm very outspoken, I'm direct, um, but I would do anything in the world for any of my employees and they know that too, because I think consistency is important. But that's where it came from. Um, I was talking and first person said, you know, I'm seeing you're pretty outspoken that I am, and it just stuck with me. So that's my theme. And well, you know, I, I think, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Jennifer, but I think, especially for a woman, being outspoken is sometimes viewed as a bad thing. But I think being outspoken is where it's got you today, Th 30 years later, 20 states, 2,000 employees, and just killing it in the healthcare staffing industry. So. Let's talk about that. How have you leveraged being outspoken for your success? 
Well, you know, in, in business, I kind of call myself an it. I'm very proud, by the way, of being a woman, because I am woman, hear me roar. You know, I'm that person. I'm a Carol King fan, so I am that person. But, you know, I believe that if you speak and you speak the truth, people will listen. Um, and that, to me, is outspoken. Not necessarily rude or abrupt or any of those things, but having the ability to know I'm going to stand on what I say and my word is my commitment, it's my bond, and when I say it, I'm going to do it. That's more of my outspoken. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, my 86,000, you know, 400 seconds in a day allows me to be more outspoken than I may have been when I was in my 20s uh, because I've learned that I have the ability to speak today. Now, I've, I've gotten a few things behind my belt now, so I probably speak a little bit more because I've become an expert at what I do. But being outspoken is something that, as women, we have a tendency to um, conform. Um, you know, we are in our place, we stay in our place, and, you know, we don't, uh, as people say, get out of our box. And I, I don't ever say that. I tell people to expand their box, but however God made you is how you probably should be. Um, but, you know, I would say that people should speak up and speak out a, a bit more. Uh, the consequences of that are, if you don't, um, what do you get from that? Other than a huge guilty feeling of, I should have said something. And being yeah. a shoulda, woulda, could that won't work for me. Well, it creates stress. It creates it um, anxiety and stress from not being your genuine self, right? It does. And you bottle that. Like you press that down and over the years. It comes out as health issues. It comes out as frustration. Yeah. 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 So let's, speaking of health health issues and uh, health care, um, there's been a talent war. Uh, there's been a pandemic. <laughs> Uh, we're facing some very interesting economic conditions right now. A lot of companies are still navigating uh, as we sit here today. Uh, you are in one of the hardest hit um, industries as it relates to talent economy. Uh, hospitals are really struggling right now financially. Uh, there's a lot of burnout. There's a lot of talent woes. Uh, could you help us understand how you are getting your clients through that and what you are seeing in the industry right now because your team does a very important job of helping people when they're ill and vulnerable so you know we we need to understand how you're navigating this because other industries are going through similar similar issues so tell us a little bit more about that well first understanding the concept of what we do, about 70% of our business is outpatient, not inpatient. So I don't struggle with the, um, I, and I actually, I won't ever struggle with the negotiation of pay me more or I'll go over here. Um, you know, we believe that you should be paid on experience and market rate. And if you are a nurse and you are 15 years experience and you're a nurse and you are one year, even if you do the same jobs, you should, you should be on a, on a scale. But yes, um, I employ nurses and PAs and nurse pracs and sometimes physicians. And um, what I hear in the market and when I'm talking to people is much of they would prefer to be outpatient right now, not on the floor right now, you know, not just burnout, but I think just the psychological effect of seeing that for a couple of years, maybe three now, I don't think it's gone. I just think we don't talk about it as much. And it's certainly not at the height it was prior, but it is... Um, for me, I think it's more of finding people who have the integrity to work in that capacity. 
um, um, nowadays people take on a role as a nurse because it pays a great deal. You can do travel. There's a lot of um, perks that come with that. Um, my mom, my sister, and my brother were nurses. And my mom was a nurse with the white uniform, the white hat, and white pantyhose with the white shoes. Everything was white. Even the little clips that clipped on was white. So, um, <laughs> you know, they went into it. And I remember her coming home crying because somebody passed away or something happened. They went into it for a different reason. That nurturing spirit of theirs was there. So I think it's a little different today. However, I've had people who say, can you just find me something that's not clinical right now? Um, so we have transferred those skills over to uh, utilization management. Um, you are anything outside of that, but still reviewing the patient's file, but not necessarily patient front facing, not front facing the patient. Or we put them in a clinic where they're able to say, you have a cold. And if they say you have a cold, they will send you to the hospital. So mm -hmm. then that, that stress is not necessarily on them on a regular, everyday basis. Are there any best practices that have come from this, Jennifer, in the last couple of years, being in the healthcare uh, industry? A um, lot around talent, a lot around culture, um, and especially within your own operations. You don't want your team burnt out either, right? So what, what are you seeing now uh, compared to 30 years ago, if you want to go that far? <laughs> but more specifically, give us a feel for the challenges that you have running your company right now and how you navigated those. Well, uh, well first I must say, I get about between 700 and 1,250 applications a day. So finding the talent may not be my, my, my biggest issue. Being able to uh, sift through and find the best talent takes, takes a lot of manpower. So it takes uh, the ability to really work through it. Um, when we were in the COVID height, you could almost say, can you breathe? And they'd say, I think so. And then you'd say, I got to send you. That's very different than where we are today on this side of it. It's very different. So now the, the, the challenge is to take your time and find the, the person who's not going to be fickle. Today I want to work, but tomorrow I don't, um, which is what a lot of medical people do. They start, they stop, they start, they stop. And I don't want to do that. So I have hired, I think, the best talent to be able to review those pieces of white paper, which is still white noise sometimes, and to be able to talk to them, work through it, and determine who's best qualified. And that's not always on skill. Some of, some of this is on service. I call it patient relations skills. It's on service. It's on the ability to, to be able to commit yourself and work through the process. So that, that's yeah. more of what my clients look for, because some of which we have, if you're licensed, you know, you have to have some experience, but most of it is your service skills your nurturing skills, your ability to take care of the patient is what we're looking for. And that's, you, you, have to, you have to get through the process. So you may have to go through 100 to get to 10, but those are your best 10. And those are the people that you say to your client, I have the best 10. So you're, what I hear you saying is you're able to now slow down, the market slow down a little bit and really take your, maybe not, but really take your time and go through to find the right talent versus we're in desperate need, send, send us everybody, is what I'm hearing. So it has not slowed down. So tell me, tell me what's happened. We're, we're busier than we've ever been. So that is truly a blessing. I've worked harder in the last three years than I've ever worked in my entire life. 
but we're busier than we've ever been. So I don't think it's, I don't think it has slowed down. I think that uh, the physician's offices, um, the revenue cycle centers, the hospitals, they are still challenged with, um, you know, now you have to be vaccinated, maybe boosted. Some people still don't want to do that. Um, you know, the, the hospitals are very strict about their, their, their policies and their procedures around that. So you have to weed through those that will do it and those that won't. I don't have very many clients in healthcare that don't require it. Very few. I can name them on one hand. So, you know, that's the first thing you have to go through is determine who has it, who doesn't have it. But listen, we're in a business that's called organized chaos. That's it. And if you're not in organized chaos in our business, I'm I'm not sure how you're in business because that you're always at um, the the emotional urgency of your client, which is typically let us try, let us try, let us try. Oh my goodness, we need it now. Hey, let's call let's call Jennifer and see what she can do. You know, that's usually where you are. So um, you're you're at somebody else's emotional want at that point. So your urgency is moving like that all the time. And remember, we're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are, because a lot of our clients are. So we have to be. So it it does take a little bit of work. Let's talk about, there's two issues that I'm hearing that we should probably talk a a lot about. Um, You're saying that you're the busiest you've ever been in in your career, which has been a very successful long career. Uh, the best and brightest companies work for surveyed uh, the winners and 84% of the of the talent is working harder than they did um, before the pandemic and 44% 43 44% somewhere in there are mm-hmm. working harder than when the pandemic first started and if we can all remember that that couple months right and imagine that intensity for this long we're at Two and a half years later, almost, you know, one more quarter and it's going to be three years of this. Um, There's a lot of CEO burnout. There's a lot of supervisor burnout. Uh, You're a 27 business. Let's talk about burnout and intensity. How are you handling the intensity of the work with your team? What best practices or advice would you give to other CEOs related to this organized chaos as you describe it? Well, so I think any person may get to a point of burnout. I don't necessarily think it's all work. It just really depends on how much of this level of stress you have in your life that would contribute to everything working together for your stage of burnout. But I I spend a great deal of time with my employees. I do. I know them well. Um, Obviously, we do a lot for them. Um, We spend a lot of time with them. We do a lot for them. And I want them to take breaks when they can. But um, in our business, we have a lot of fun, too. So I don't know if um, you'd probably ask someone out there and they'd say it's positive stress. And I work well under the positive stress. I don't do well under negative stress. So the fish rots from the top down. You won't find me saying anything about stress. Um, I'm not that person. I'm excited. I have opportunity. I have abundance of them. And I say that to them. So I, I think it's how you look at the situation that makes your body respond in a, in a more positive manner. That doesn't mean I have never had a, something that says, are you tired? I get tired just like everybody else. Um, when I get up, though, and I have the opportunity to do something I absolutely love, which is, which is 
what I didn't ask for this, but I certainly love it. I get to do something I absolutely love. I am okay with the ability to work hard. Um, and maybe that's just my country girl in me, but I am okay with the ability to work hard. Um, I am okay with the people I hire. I, when we go through orientation for our weeks of orientation, our job during that time is to talk them out, not in. Mm -hmm. So we need to go through, this is what you're going to experience. My cell phone's ringing, my, my phone on my desk is ringing, somebody is talking to you. I mean, it's, it's like that. So if that bothers you, this is not the right industry for you. Um, right. You know. Some people thrive on that. Some people thrive on that. So you try and find the people that thrive on the intensity of the workload. Yeah. Um, but we're all human and sometimes we need breaks. So you get breaks and you say you try and, and make a fun environment for your team. Um, just define fun. What, what do you guys do for fun? Well, let's see. Um, we, we certainly have our family and friends day that we do once a quarter. Uh, we will certainly feed them as many times as they'd like, but uh, you'd be surprised at how much that helps for a person not to have to go out, buy something, and come back in, which takes time, and they're worried about getting things done within an eight-hour period of time. I push, though. I'm here till the last person leaves, and I push. I say it's time. Got to wrap it up. Can't do anymore. Leave it alone, or I'll take it, and I'll, I'll make sure it's done, but I want them to go home, and I want them to enjoy the philosophy here is God, family, then work. And um, I won't change my philosophy, which means if you don't like it, you probably shouldn't work here. Because <laughs> in, in, those, in that order. That transparency that, oh, yeah. that you're famous. I don't, I mean, whatever your God is, I'm fine with that. The fact is, if you don't have a higher being that you understand is there, and this is not all about you, and then you take care of your family, because if you could do that, that's a lot less stress than you would normally deal with, and then work. Put it in perspective. You're, you, you know, work is to do those things that you have to do, but it is really important to keep that perspective in place. Mm -hmm. um, if you do that, you feel good. The Family and Friends Day is really about family. It's about your kids knowing who you work for. It's about having fun and meeting them so they know who I am. They know who, who, who's my mom going to work 12 hours a day for. You know, yeah. that's what it's for. I don't have a daycare on site. I actually won't let them bring their employees to work unless it's bring your employee, bring your kids to work day yeah, um, yeah. because it's busy and we're working. But, you know, I, I care about the kids. We buy school supplies. If they do good in school, they will get special gifts from me. Um, I, I Family is um, really my core. I, believe I think that's, that's what important. I love about you the most is that you're not afraid to say, okay, yes, that's a trend out there. Um, but we're not going to do it here. Yeah. Let's talk about hybrid work and working from home. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Tell us more about that. I'm not a fan. I do have some employees that do, actually. I have an employee that I've only met once. I, I mean, she's on Zoom, our teams, on our Friday meetings. But, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't get to interface like that. But in our business, we're in a people business. And in our business, it is really important that you are dedicated to being able to see who you're working with. They come, they interview, you interface with the people you work with on a daily basis. Listen, I'm just going to ask everybody, if you had a great football team and they were all virtual, would they be a good football team? Just want to know. I mean, you can't run plays, you can't practice, you can't learn the dynamics of the person. I mean, you see their head about right here and you don't know if they're truly engaged. You don't know what's happening around them. 
I, I don't know that there are there are people who could probably do that every day. I am not that person. So um, because the organization is based on my personality, most of it goes that way. I have people who travel a lot on my education side, and they are they are certainly virtual. But I expect to see them every once in a while. Come walk through this office, so I can see who you are. Um, that's important to me. Um, so I don't think that my business does well that way. And I am—I have footballs everywhere. I love football. But my analogy is not because they're all cute with the helmets on. It is really because I think it's important that my team is here to run their plays. I can see who's my first string, second string. I can see my superstars. I will be able to do. And I will tell you, most of my employees said they worked more at home than they do at work because literally, literally when you when you close the door and you go home you're you're away from work when you're at home and you're at home all day even if you pass the door and you go that's my office i could pick up a couple of things the kids are in bed let me just go see if i can do a few things and then you end up working and working i did i would sit down at seven and at eight o'clock when the sun would be going down i'd be going i wonder what time it is because i i mean i'm home so i might as well work yeah so, so were you hybrid? You were hybrid for a little bit. Yes, we were. We were actually. Now you're, now you're back in person. We came. We came back. Uh, January, no, July of, of last year. Okay. I think so. One of the yep. first to do it, and, and you're one of the CEOs that said, "Come back." I am. Better I am. for. I gave them an option for a while. You know, we could do both yeah. for a while, and then we gave a date that these people would have to be here full time. Then we gave another date for the next of people who would have to be be here full time and then when we had the spike again i gave them the option of being able to go home and, and when the spike would go down then we would be okay so i am flexible transparent about it. i mean you're very transparent with your team and said okay here's the situation i prefer in person we work better in person but you did have a have some flexibility too Shows I, great I still do actually yeah if they're, if they're babysick and they go you know, I, I just need to watch them. They're okay. Can I work from home? Yes. And we have a rule. All the rules apply. When you sign in, where's your productivity? All of that. But yeah. in general terms, yes. I never want a mother to choose between work and their child, ever. Nice. And you will never get fired for doing so. Nice. Nice. Ever. Well, let's talk about being a woman. Yeah. We're both, we're both <laughs> women. <laughs> Captain Obvious here. We're both women CEOs. Um, you're certified as a women business enterprise. Um, uh, you're also a person of color. Tell us about that journey and what experiences have stuck in your memory along the way. Well, first, um, my only journey is being black, so I don't have another one. So I, I don't, I don't know any other uh, journey, but um, and probably being a woman as well. Um, you know, my experience with this is, in, particularly in the medical field, um, on the provider side, because we do mostly outpatient, and uh, there's a lot of old money in medical, yeah. and a lot of old thought process. So um, I've had a lot of people tell me, don't send me anybody black. You know, if yeah. you send Hispanics in high class, I really prefer them not to be either one, um, and they don't know who I am. You know. And before we had Facebook and LinkedIn and all the things that we use to identify people. Oh my goodness, I heard it every single day. Um, but you know, now uh, I still hear it, 
uh, people are a lot smarter about how they do it. Um, you know, they may say, I just want someone bilingual. And that's not necessary. It's just to avoid having somebody, you know, um, that may be black. But I have been turned down more times than I can think about because somebody met me and I was black. Um, I have been turned down for people to join my organization. Just recently I was. Um, they, they had the opportunity to meet me. I don't interview, but I just happen to be here. And uh, they said, you are black. You own the company. I don't want to work for a black company. And I would time out. I don't think uh, I am. I'm struggling with this. Okay, but it's true. It happens a lot. I'm, I'm angry for you. I'm angry <laughs> for you. Um, wow. I, I'm. I'm really upset. Actually, <laughs> how how do you handle that when when a client comes to you and says, "I don't want." you to send me anyone that's Hispanic or black or what have you. What do you say to them? We'll send you the most qualified person we have. Sometimes and you, do you send candidates that are most qualified that are people of color. I do. High five. Give me some. I do. <laughs> I do. Sometimes it's just, you know, educating people that whatever your thought is in your mind, this, this, you're talking about people. Everybody's different. It's not by the color of their skin. All skills are different. All characters are different. Integrity is different. How they were raised is different. Everybody's not walking around because you have this thought in your mind. That's not how it works. So, I, I mean, that's, that's, a big, that's a big deal for me. I hear it a lot. I hear it about being a woman as well. I have men that absolutely won't work for me. They are not taking direction from a woman. But, and, and I'm okay with it because when someone says it, you really don't need to be here because my ultimate prayer is remove those that should not be and bring me those that should. And, you know, the fact that you said it allows me to know you should not be here um, because, you know. It's almost a gift. It's almost a gift that they said it. But it is almost a when gift. When I'm in those situations, I want to fight. I want to fight. Um, it it sounds like you've risen above the 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 frustration of it, and you're like, okay, I'm going to put my business hat on. Do you ever want to get in there and just fight? Mm -mm. Tell me more about that. I don't because I, you know, this is this is who I am. It would be different, I guess, if you were me because you've heard it all most of your life. I'm from Arkansas, so I mean, very racist kind of place we grew up. I'm, I'm okay there. It's just, for me, that's your shallow, your shallow-minded thought process. I'm not in the business of trying to change your mind, uh, especially those who will or will not work for me. Most who have worked for me will come back and tell me, I, I mean, you've changed everything I thought about. You know, even some clients will come back and say something that way. I have to tell you a story, though. Once I was, um, I went to go give a presentation, and I, I, it was about a $4 million account. I was so excited to have this opportunity yeah. to stand before people. And, you know, I wouldn't let my salesperson go. I wanted to go. And I walked in this room, and it was filled with men of every race and all of that. It was filled with men. And I'm only woman in the room. I walked up front, opened my brochure to go through and give this presentation. And the first thing one guy said was, so you're the person who's getting me somebody for my bed tonight. And I said, oh, I'm not in that business, sir. Everybody laughed. They thought it was the funniest thing ever. Then somebody else made a comment, um, very similar to that one. 
I had four comments before I ever started my presentation. I didn't say a word. I kept thinking, okay, God, listen, this is $4 million. Can you just tell them to be quiet? I really need to figure this out. Couldn't do it. So I looked up. I took my, my I closed it up. I said, I really thank you for your time, but you're not going to be a good client for me. And I walked out. I couldn't believe I walked away from $4 million. I couldn't believe it. I can. But I can. I and, and that is teaching people. That is a form of fighting. So I, I applaud you. Thousands of others, hopefully listening to this, applaud you. Um, you well, know, I've been in those situations too. I, I have gone, traveled and made pitches and myself and another woman sat across from the potential client and they, they basically said, nice to meet you. Um, no, thanks. We didn't even say one word and we were done. Um, very frustrating. Very frustrating. Now that can be because they don't give me an opportunity to present yeah. or no, I could save you tons of money, but you don't want that. You, you know, um, yeah. well, ironically, they hired a CFO that they had her CFO that happened to be female and I did get the business back. Um, and you know, I did explain to her what happened. She apologized profusely, but you know, I try to put in perspective that every business that comes my way is not good business. And if I close this door for four million, six million is waiting. I just need to go find it. I just need to be diligent about the fact that it's coming. Yeah. And and you know, you you kind of leave the past in the past that way and you move on. So people who, particularly women who are in business, who always feel like, well, I had to do it because I needed the money. I mentor these people at WBEA and you know I always say to them I I want you to get that just because you sit down in front of somebody and it's all working the way you thought there is something inside of you that says you know what I don't know if this is going to be a good match for us and you have to have the ability and it is very difficult I just told somebody about it and it is very difficult but you have to have the ability to say I don't think we're a good match today. It's no different than any relationship you get into. At some point when you say this is over or at some point when you start, you say, I don't think we're a good match. You have to be able to speak up and say, this is not going to be a good match today. They will. So you, you said something that you're used to it. And so yeah. you just roll with it. Um, I don't know if I roll with it. Let, let, let me be clear. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, rolling with it is not necessarily what I do, but I'm grateful that I don't have to work with somebody who feels that way and have the ability to just fake it till they make it. I, I don't want that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just want to hire the best. And if you're, you're not the best, if you can't work for me though. And so somebody else is waiting and I always tell them that I'm okay with that. Um, my rule of thumb is when I'm finished talking to you, I will stand up. And, if, and I, when I'm done, I'm done. When she finished telling me she wouldn't work for anybody that was black or a minority, she made it clear. Um, I stood up. I thanked her and I let her out my door. But I don't just roll with it. It can be difficult sometimes. I think that's more difficult than being in business. I think that's more dif difficult than the challenges we have with hiring the people today. I think all of that's more difficult than that because it, it, it can make you feel like you're less than. And, you know, oftentimes, we just won, the first time ever, we won number one company, staffing company in Houston. 
There's a lot of staffing companies in Houston, but we won number one, first time ever. And you know, I, 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 when you see someone's uh, picture of their company and you see all the employees and all of that, and you never see any diversity in it. Um, uh, you know, you look and you go, and that's the first thing I do, and I must say I do that often, is they don't have anybody black that works there. How they accomplish that? You know, you got, you've got six million people in Houston. How do you pick out all the white people and nobody else? That yeah. is a talent. <laughs> I mean, like, that's a talent. Because yeah. you, have, you have discounted everybody else that could have probably done your company a great deal of good simply because of the color of their skin. That is unacceptable. But I well, know a lot of companies. Motivated that me. You're motivating me right now to keep at it as well. We do a lot of education around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. Uh, we do a lot of education for leadership on racial justice and how to handle those delicate situations and how to be a true leader within your organization. So you motivated me in this moment to keep at it. Um, I am sorry. Uh, that you have had to go through those experiences. Um, but there's power in that. Uh, so let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about the next generation. Mm. Um, let's say there's a young woman, person of color, uh, in high school, mm -hmm. and she wants to go into business and eventually own and run her own company. Okay. What advice would you give her on her path and journey? I would tell her she needs to find her purpose. She needs to lean into that for her passion. And if she finds peace, she knows she's there. Because I would have never chosen this business for me. I thought I'd be an attorney, I'd be honest with you, I did. I would have never chosen it, but it chose me. And sometimes what you're looking at doing is not what you should be doing, it's what you see would make you money. And it may not make you money just because it does everybody else. So what you have to do is you have to find something that lets you lean into your purpose and it allows you to be passionate about it. And once you do that, you'll find this calmness about it that says, I'll work morning, noon, and night because I have a peace about what I'm doing. Now, the other thing is when you know you are not in your purpose, you can, you'll have five businesses running at one time. I, always, I don't know how people do that, but they'll have a number of business and then want to go find a job because they are not making enough money in them. First, because you have no focus. And second, because you're not really running a business. You're just throwing something out there and seeing if it'll work. That's not true entrepreneurship. You know, if you're going to do something, do it right or don't do it at all. That means every bit of who you are has to go into it. And when, you, when you're able to do that, and they, they learn quickly. Listen, if you sell lemonade and you're passionate about it, you should do that and do it well. Figure out what works. Find out what your audience wants and let's go after it. I mean, let's let's just do it. But you don't have to go out and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what that person is doing when they because they make a lot of money. You know, everybody wants to be a professional athlete because they they make a lot of money. But we just watch somebody, you know, who was concussed and had to go to the hospital and they make a lot of money. So listen, you, you know, everybody can't do that. That's number one, only one to three percent of all those wonderful athletes that go to college ever get there. But what you have to do is you have to find what works for you. And when you can find what works, I, I, I want particularly women lean into your purpose. When you find your purpose, whether it's something you love or not, that you'll love it, you'll eventually get there. I've never done this business. Trust me on that one. 
this would not have been it. Yeah. But when you learn how to do something and do it well, and you have peace with it, you're in your moment. You're in your season. Yeah. Seasons change, but you're in your season. And when you can yeah. find your season, you will weather whatever storms come up. You will be right there. And I tell them that all the time. Don't go looking at what someone else is doing. Find out what's passionate for you. Because in that moment, in that season, is your purpose. That, that's peace. It's fantastic advice. And it's okay to struggle. It it's is. okay to struggle. Struggle is part of success. Failure is part of success. I think that's also part of finding your purpose and finding your passion. It is. is struggling a little bit. Listen, I, will, I, I get things and whew, it can be uh, a challenge. Trust me, it can be a challenge. And, you know, in my mind, I think every opportunity is like having a new business. You start it again. And if you think about it that way, you do a really good job with, with most things you do because you, you put it in perspective and go, it's new business, new, new company, that's a new business for me. And I look at it that way so that I am able to have the same fresh thought process that I did 30 years ago. Um, you know, just being able to get up every day and go to my bedroom and put my pantyhose on and my heels and do my hair. I had some then and put my suit on. I was at home and I didn't have to. There was not any Zooms or Teams or any of that. They weren't going to see me, but I saw me. And I saw me. And the one thing I know is everybody knows their weaknesses, their limitations, and their strengths. And if you're not disciplined, you must learn how to be before you say, I'm a great entrepreneur. Discipline is key. I had to make myself do this to be able to put my mind in the right frame of mind in order to be successful. And I, mean, I still wear my suits because I prefer them um, over anything else. But um, I do think it's really important that you have to fix your mind to be successful. I knew my limitation would be, you got to get some discipline. I was 26, 27 years old. So I had to find some discipline within myself to say, I can get this done. And I think that's the hardest thing as an entrepreneur is to be disciplined about what you're doing. Exactly. And doing stuff that you don't want to do because you have to do them for the betterment of the business. That's also a, a key component of being success is doing the things that you don't want to do. Well, and doing well. I just uh, came back from my floor. I've been on my floor for two months. I learned a great deal, by the way. And I told my team I got promoted to, <laughs> to the position that I've been promoted. So I went out to work. I went out to work. I went out to be treated like an employee. I went out there to be able to interface. I wanted to see the process and how cumbersome it was. And I'd yell out loud, oh, we're not doing this anymore. This is way too much. Um, but um, I didn't want to do that. It's kind but, of like undercover boss where you went out on the field. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I was I was yeah. really undercover though, because I was still as outspoken as I am any other time. <laughs> they know as you. Most people, we would fire an employee if they did that. But uh, I don't know. It's just like one of those things, you know, you have to do. We were trying to find really great talent to work now versus, you know, 10 years ago, you could find really great talent. They were committed. You know, they would come to work on time. They wouldn't do that. I'm barely late and be five minutes late every day, which I call late. Um, you know, they it's very difficult today because um, my younger generation has a concept that they work to live, not to make a living. So they do feel that this is just a part of my journey. I can go next door and do the same thing because my mind says I'm here to live, not to make a living. Now, maybe we could combine that and make it something else. But you need a little bit of both. You really do. 
because you went out and went on the floor or into the field, yeah. you discovered an issue to solve. And that's your next project, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I did. So let me figure that out. Know, let us know. <laughs> we'll set up another one of these. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have to go back to my HR team and talk about what you're trying to bring you know, sometimes we're looking at this level of education and we're looking at all these things that are accolades. And although I think those things are really great, um, you know, I don't want anybody who is here for a stop. You know, and they used to say that Oklahoma stop, stop, don't stay all day. They just kind of come in and they're looking to leave. They're always here to look to leave. And maybe yeah. you need a, a person in between that that has skills, education, but not at a level where they're always looking to leave. I don't right. want a person to join me and the, the day you join, you're still looking to leave. I'd like for you to learn how to do this job and then elevate yourself. And if that means leaving to do so, I will write you a letter of recommendation. Yeah. Well, if you can figure that out, that's an issue across a lot of industries, manufacturing, retail. We've been hearing a lot uh, from the CEOs of the, of the best and brightest about um, those issues in particular. So if you can solve that, you have something there. You have another business. Um, <laughs> let, let's talk about your book. Let's yes. talk about the book. Now you have a second book, correct? I do have, I do have one coming out. And, okay. you know, the one I have is really old. So I've learned a lot. I could just write a book about the pandemic and how we, how we functioned in that. Um, because March, when we all decided that the government said we have to go home, um, and then I laid off everybody. Mm. I did. I didn't know where I was going to be or what we were doing. Less than 30 days later, I had everybody back and I fired six of them because they could not work from home and we could not find them. And I didn't have time to manage that. And I didn't want to. I'll be very honest. I did not want to manage that. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I said, we're going to you stay where you are. I'm going to take all my salary away. I won't get paid until we figure out what's happening. Hmm. 30 days, we got this humongous contract and, you know, it didn't take long for us to be maybe double where we were the year before and then triple where we were, you know, it, it worked like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always feel like you should always lead by example and you should never talk about what you're going to do. You should simply just do it. And people will recognize your action more than they will your words. Most people who talk a lot never really get anything done. They they really don't. They're very good at verbalizing what you should do. But if you ever want to know, uh, you know, I tell people in my workshops all the time, if you send out a memo and you didn't consult the person who's inside that memo of the work they have to do now, you you fail that person because you should at least be able to ask them, hey, we're going to change this process. How would that affect you? And I know. Well, it's no mystery why you're one of the top scoring companies in the best and brightest just from talking to you. And I'll tell you something, I'd work for you, I'd work with you, I would hire you. Um, and for any of those that have said otherwise, um, the best and brightest community is putting our arms around you. And telling <laughs> well, thank you, you guys, we're doing I need it. right now. So that's a great thing though. Just, uh, but I would work for you. Right I remember the day ahead. I met you. I remember the date you had a black suit on with a white shirt on. I'll never forget it. I remember the day I met you and you have that same smile you had been. And the one thing you did for me, I didn't understand the concept of best and brightest. I didn't know anything about it uh, at all. 
but immediately I relaxed because you were so dynamic. You, oh, you believe in what you do, which made me believe in it. I, I didn't know anything about it, but I said, if she believes in it, I do too. Plus, uh, they could not have made this mistake. So it, it, it is really a great complex, great resources. I, I really do enjoy the research. And I, I know when I'm on the calls, I'm probably the loudest person. I'm always saying something contrary to what everybody else is saying. But I always want to tell it. people, it, it, you got to change the way you think about business or you won't stay in business. You, you can't. You taught me that because I, I don't, I've probably received many awards before, but this is the one that I tell everybody about. This That's is true. the one I tell people about when they're hired by us. And I tell them, go out and find another company that, that has the accolades and the benefits that I give you. And I'm happy to say they're a great company. Mm -hmm. And you taught me that. Uh, well, thank you. And, and it's because of your hard work. So congratulations yet again. Thank you for your time today. Um, let's just leave it with this. How, how do you define happiness in a sentence or less? Peace. Simply knowing I am in my purpose and I, I don't care what anyone says. If I need to clean the bathroom, I will because I'm at peace. I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to do at this moment. I have peace. That is my happiness. And, and we wish peace to everyone listening today. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you for being part of, of my world. And congratulations again, Jennifer. I'm honored. Thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. It's great.